If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. You're listening to Artifacts, a show that dives into the fascinating history of famous artworks and painters. Broadcast on C31, Stupid Old Studios' YouTube channel, and the Community Radio Network. For centuries, art in Europe was dominated by men. At a time where women were banned from many professions, they certainly weren't expected to open an art studio and paint for a living. That is, except for one 17th century woman who threw convention to the wind. Her name? Mary Beale. Hello and welcome to Artifacts. My name is Dave Warnicke and I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. And today we are at the oldest and most visited gallery in Australia, the National Gallery of Victoria, or as I like to call it, the NGV. Oof, love NGV. that. That should catch on. That's one of mine. Yeah, I like that. Beautiful. NGV, that sounds fun. Don't know what it stands for, but um, <laughs> uh, out of the 76,000 plus works here in their collection, we are in front of Portrait of a Lady by English painter Mary Beale. Mm. What do you think? I love it. Love, I love a centre part. I think that's a fantastic, that's a strong look. <laughs> that's come back too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's got quite a glowy look in her face too. That's also very in at the moment. Oh, very dewy finish in you've your makeup. A, very in. You've got a centre part and a dewy finish. Can I? Just I don't say? have a centre part or a dewy finish. I don't think you understand either of those. <laughs> okay. Things. Anyway, well, straight off the bat, I love the title because it, it says what it is. None of this abstract stuff we have to sort of squint at and work out what they're trying to say. Mm. That is in no doubt. A portrait of a lady. Yeah, yeah. Try, like, fight me on it. You can't. It's a portrait of a lady. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and fact check that. <laughs> uh, the artist Mary Beale was born Mary Craddock in March 1633. What's she hiding from? <laughs> She's got many aliases. Hmm. Many. Interesting. Her father, John, was a clergyman in Suffolk and may have been the one who taught her how to paint to see himself was an amateur painter. Anyone may have been Dave. Let's do in facts, please. <laughs> it's in the title of the show. It's not that much known about her early life. <laughs> uh, but we do know that the Craddock family had made their fortune from selling wool. Oh. So that's quite specific. Happy with that? Yeah. 
Uh, when she was young, she met and later had a close relationship with Sir Peter Lely, a Dutch portrait master who painted King Charles I and later was principal painter to King Charles II. Wow. So Lely? I hardly know Lee. <laughs> Whatever. We'll edit some stuff out, I should. <laughs> you got to shoot your shot sometimes. Yeah. I'm taking too many at the moment. That's what a coffee will do. <laughs> Makes me feel like I have something worth sharing. <laughs> So she's surrounded by artists, many of whom are of extreme renown. Uh, and these were turbulent times in Old Blighty, let me tell you. In 1642, England erupted in civil war, and King Charles I was arrested, tried, and executed for high treason, January 1649. Wait, say that again? What happened? The, the King of England, King Charles I, was arrested, yes. tried, and executed what? for treason. How are we not hearing about that until now? <laughs> when did that happen? Breaking news. Uh, 1649, exactly. Okay, yeah, geez, sorry. Late, late yeah. to the party on this one. <laughs> Have you not been on Twitter today? No. No, the monarchy was abolished and the Commonwealth of England was established as a republic. You, you remember this? Eventually, a controversial figure, Oliver Cromwell, emerged as Lord Protector of England, regarded by many as a bit of a dictator. Oh. Emphasis on the dick there. Um, <laughs> he passed the title of Lord Protector onto his son, Richard Cromwell, who was nicknamed Tumble Down Dick after he struggled to hang on to power. Okay. That's a bit of a slap in the face. Lord Protector. I think I like that job title, but did he give it to himself? Did he make yeah. that up? Yeah. Th those kind of nicknames never stick, do yeah, they? When you give them to yourself? Yeah. Yeah, but Isn't yeah. that right, Cobra? <laughs> yes, Cobra's good. <laughs> Just don't call me Tumble Down Dick. Well, that's much more that's, likely yeah, to stick. Yeah. Tumble Down. I will hang on to power at all costs. TD. <laughs> but eventually in 1660, King Charles I's son, conveniently named Charles II, regained the throne and restored the kingdoms of England, Scotland and Ireland. So this was all in the first 27 years of Mary's life. And it seemed one of the only consistencies around the court was portraiture. Her friend Peter Lely was talented enough that he managed to paint for all three of these leaders. Charles I, then Oliver Cromwell, and then Charles II. Wow. So art's one of the only consistent things. Mm. Art is forever. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because some things are fleeting, uh -huh. but art... That's forever. That's forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I, I do. I don't think he gets it. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. It's okay. It's okay if you don't. Continue, please, Dave. Uh, Mary herself practiced with self-portraits and painted small copies of Lely's works, whose style was a big influence. And not much else is known about her early life, but in 1652, we do know she married Charles Beale. Ah, that's where that's the, the Beale comes from. Beale comes. Okay. Yep. As I was wondering. No relation. He <laughs> um, was also an amateur painter, so there's a lot of paintings in her life. Together, the couple had two children, Bartholomew and Charles Jr. During the kids' childhoods in 1665, the family moved to Hampshire, narrowly avoiding the plague. So they lived away from London for five years with Mary perfecting her craft. And on their return in 1670, they moved to Pall Mall, where Mary started advertising herself. On as the a board. Professional painter, that's right. Purple Square. <laughs> Think? Pal Mal. I would have said blue. Pal Mal. It's got a yellow feel to me. Ooh, okay. Is it near Leicester Square? Pal Mal, Northumberland Avenue, and. They're purple. I don't recall purple. Yeah, there's purple. I don't think I've ever made it one circuit around the board <laughs> before flipping it. <laughs> board! This sucks. They, pro they promise so much with the little horsey, but yeah, then yeah. it's all downhill from there. Mm. Pain. I'm a useless thimble. <laughs>
Well, to find out more about Mary Beale and this piece, I'm here with NGV Curator of International Art, Laurie Benson. Hello, Laurie. Hi, Dave. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, I thought we'd start with Mary Beale herself. She's probably the first real professional female British artist working in the 18th century. There were a handful of women working around that time, but she broke so many, so many barriers. And it was tough then for, for me to be a woman artist. Women weren't really examined. They weren't really looked at. Uh, and our painting is a perfect example of that because she had this association with the great Peter Lely, who's the, you know, the principal portrait painter in Stuart, England. Well, this painting, because it was so good, uh, it couldn't possibly have been by a woman. So it was actually attributed to the studio of Peter Lely. Now that, because of this, all this research and resurgence and interest in women artists since the 70s, but particularly in the last five to 10 years, that's now been redressed. And I think, thankfully, she is a quite an incredible character. She started advertising herself as a professional painter. And this was very unusual at the time for the conservative and predominantly Protestant society. Women were generally believed to be morally, spiritually, and intellectually inferior. Wow. The big three. And some of us continue to prove that today. <laughs> well, they didn't work many jobs, and they certainly didn't run painting studios. I was just thinking as well, because she started to just say she's professional. Yeah. And really, isn't that how anybody goes from being amateur to professional? You just start saying you're professional? Take it till you make it. Exactly. So I respect that. Dress for the job you want. Was she wearing overalls? Yeah. Was she covered in paint? Yeah. Yeah. Paint covered overalls. She have a ponytail and glasses. <laughs> you look legit. <laughs> Bare feet. Can't wait till later in the movie when she takes them off and she, we realise how beautiful. hot she is. Yeah. <laughs> But she actually became the breadwinner for the family. So like a duck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She's actually commonly referred to as the first English woman to support her family from her paintings. Wow. Whether she was the first, there's a little bit of debate, but she's certainly a trailblazer. And her family supported her in turn, the studio becoming a fully-fledged family affair. Her husband, Charles, had been the deputy clerk of the patents office in London. But he left his career to run the studio and he booked clients, stretched canvases and looked after art supplies. Yes, he's doing a bit of admin. He's the admin guy. Yes, love that. That's nice. It was a real equal partnership between the couple and the reason we actually know so much about Mary and how her studio was run was because her husband Charles kept an annual studio notebook for over three decades. Wow. Whoa. Taking notes of who sat for Mary, how many sessions and when she completed portraits, the price her clients paid, the materials used, her debts and other details of their lives. I like, I like how you think of that as being equal. She did all the artwork. He kept a couple of notes. Equal. Hey, Both in, gave as much as the, each other. In there was also his feelings. Okay. Her yeah. feelings. He referred to her in the books as my dearest heart. Oh, that's nice. It's quite nice. Also, I like that he kept note of her debts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> you didn't, didn't pay this one. <laughs> I guess it was pretty clear to her husband, Charles, that she was a really superior painter. So he acted as her manager, as her colourman, which means that she, he literally ground and made the paint, because you couldn't buy paint in tubes those days. You, uh, you couldn't go to a shop and buy a tube of paint. You actually had to, had to either make them yourself, grinding up, grinding up minerals and mixing them with all sorts of chemicals and oils and, and tinctures. And he also stretched her canvases. And so he, he really supported her because it's clear that she's, a, she's you know, a technically fantastic artist. Women were forbidden from many types of study at the time. And when it came to painting, this included access to nude models. So women were limited to painting portraits. And paint portraits, she did. <laughs> 
In the book, Charles notes that in 1677, Mary completed 90 portraits that year. Oof. She had 65 different subjects, 31 were women and 34 were men. That's a, that's a lot in a year. In a year? Yeah. For a few days. Oh. So all, all human portraits though? Oh, yep. that's, a, that's a great question. Yeah. No goldfish. No goldfish, no ladybugs. Oof. Mm. Yeah, I reckon there's a big market for dog portraits. Yeah. Yeah. They're always playing cards for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> they love cards. I love yeah, them. I do love cards. Dogs yeah. and their cards. I've never had a dog, but I assume they're often playing cards. First thing you get for them. Yeah. Well, you get like collar, water bowl, chew toy, bed, deck of cards. Deck of cards. Yeah. And they'll they'll thrash you. Yeah. yeah. Every time, it's just instinct. Yeah. My dog's always going all in with his snout, yeah. pushing the chips in. And you're like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of money. That's twenty thousand dollars. That's all yes. we have. <laughs> He says, trust me, I'm going to thrash this Doberman. <laughs> so her husband was a great supporter and their kids were actually involved too. Often Mary would complete the portrait and then they'd come in and fill in the background. Oh, I like that. Okay, this is how she's getting 90 done <laughs> yeah, in a year. Yeah, that's right. She's like, yeah, that's, that's basically done. Who's like, looking in the background? It's like a little sketch. Yeah, it's got a Filling playground and some trees. Yeah. <laughs> Birds that look like M's. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just... just Finish it off, and then she's like, that's what I'm on. <laughs> on this one, they didn't even do anything. It's just brown. <laughs> What's in the background? Brown. Yeah. But it's done beautifully. Yeah, the foreground's sick, <laughs> but that background, just brown. <laughs> Sun's let her down. <laughs> it's also been said that the relaxed family environment was a real plus for her subjects, who often had to sit for, a, for an entire day. As opposed to the larger commercial studios, which would be busy hubs with many apprentices coming and going, the family vibe really brought out the best in the subject. It was a relaxed place. So she competed with and also impressed the big dogs with the large studios. Oh, there were dogs there. Yeah. Well, they should have painted them. <laughs> no, she was oh, painting cards. She was busy impressing them. Hey, hey, huh? what do you think of this? Huh? <laughs> Bit of razzle-dazzle. <laughs> Peter Laley, who I mentioned earlier as the principal painter to all the, the monarchs, visited her studio at least twice and complimented Beale's works. We know this because Mary's husband, Charles, made note of the visits in one of his books, writing, Mr. Laley came to see Mrs. Beale's paintings. Several of them he much commended, and upon observation said Mrs. Beale was much improved in her painting. <laughs> see, he's not just writing down like what materials were used, mm. how much we're in debt, he's also writing down who complimented us. And yeah. what kind of faint praise she got. <laughs> yeah. right. Faint praise, but from a really <laughs> yeah. good yeah. source, you know. I'd take that. If he knew the power he had, he could have written anything in there, and yeah. it would have been taken as fact. Only 400 years later or whatever. Yeah, we yeah. Oh, um, oh, a hippo talked to me today. Yeah. Wow. In perfect <laughs> English. <laughs> oh. Said like that. And oh. Like, yeah, and now, and then 400 years later, we're like, yeah, oh. and hippos talk. Yeah. Bloody yeah. hell. And that's what perfect English is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, well, perfect hippo English. Yeah, come on, They've got big, weird mouths. Come on, give them a break. That's actually really rude. Sorry about him. Sorry about that. <laughs> Laley also lent some of his masterworks to be able to study and copy. Because remember, she isn't trained by a formal academy or a school. She's sort of picking up bits and pieces here and there, teaching herself and just absolutely excelling. It's also a little bit funny. Like, she might have asked for it, but it's, it's funny if she didn't and he's just brought some of his work and said, <laughs> Have a look at these. She's like, what do I do with this? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> He's signing headshots. Here you go. Who should I make it out to? <laughs> yeah, like, you came to my Mary, studio. Yeah. We're friends. Okay, we've known each other for a long time, Peter. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so where does this painting fit? 
painted in 1680, oil on canvas. Portrait of a lady falls under her late period of portraits. The subject is unconfirmed, but possibly someone called Miss Weston. Miss Weston. Miss Weston. There's also speculation that the person in the portrait looks somewhat like Afra Ben, who was a, a writer of the time and often referred to as the first female novelist in English. Oh. So it's amazing to think that the, possibly the first female portrait artist painted the first female novelist. Yeah, that's cool. But it is unconfirmed. Mm. And uh, yeah, I also heard that it's possibly framed by the first English female framer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Where have you heard that? Uh, she got her middle part done by the first female English hairdresser. Oh. I've heard, I heard that possibly, unconfirmed, but... Yeah. Guess you could learn a thing or two, you should go middle. <laughs> middle. Okay, five minutes ago you thought I would middle part. It looks middle from here. Okay, it's middle-ish. Middle. That's middle. Where are you about? It's actually hanging on a wall that was built by the first English female carpenter. Wow. And plasterer, yeah. Wow. Two yeah. Different people. Did they ship it over here? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah this wall was shipped over. Shipped over. Pretty cool. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Unconfirmed. You've heard a lot. Got mm. my ear to the ground. I note that it's called Portrait of a Lady, but does the NGV or yourself have any theories on who this could be? Sadly, absolutely not. Uh, one of the, again, interesting things about Mary Beale is she's extremely prolific. There's probably around 300 paintings, and she's principally a portrait painter. And unless there's really empirical evidence uh, that we know that like it's an inscription on the painting, something on the back of the painting, or if it's a likeness of someone really famous who you do know what they look like, uh, there's really no way to tell who it is. I've read some theories that this possibly looks like the writer Afra Ben. Have you ever heard anything like that? Oh, it's one of the great tropes in, in art history. Everybody wants to attach a name to a face and clearly the more famous the person is, possibly the more expensive the picture could be. Sure. You know, it'll cost more. So it's a trope mainly of dealers to attach names. Uh, but as I said, if, unless you've got really empirical evidence, uh, you can't really, it's, it's really hard to do it. With her making so many portraits, it's going to be pretty much impossible. It would be wonderful, of course, to attach a name to that, uh, to that fantastic portrait because she looks a really, to be a really interesting woman. But that's also about how Mary Beale paints her. And that's what's unique, I think, about Mary Beale. Looking at the painting, the lady sits with poise in a low-cut silk gown with a single string of black pearls. Her cheeks are red. She's sporting a small smile. Yeah, that is a small smile. That is a, that's a, a hint of a smile. Yeah, a hint of a smile. It's, it's not quite a smirk, though. I'm not saying the black pearls, am I? Yeah, there's, they're in the middle and then around the side as well. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. Okay. <laughs> Is that, was that a risque sort of top back then? Is this in the days where ankles were risque? No, no, no. That's Collarbones are fine. Collarbones are yeah. fine, yeah. Probably. Cover up those ankles. The subject is surrounded by decorative cartouches, which is one of my new favourite words. These are the backgrounds possibly painted by her sons, ah. talked about. The background seeks to emulate the encasements of 17th century portrait miniatures, of which Mary had painted many during her career. Hmm. Beale painted in a Baroque style, seen throughout Europe from the early 17th to mid-18th centuries. Crossing many artistic disciplines, hallmarks of the Baroque style of portraiture painting include contrast in light, rich colours and attention to detail and fabric that we can see here. Mm. Oh yeah. That's Baroque. <laughs> That's Baroque if I've ever seen yeah. it. <laughs> if I know Baroque, can I do? <laughs> You've been Baroque. Yeah. 
Whilst we might not know the identity of this subject, we do know many of the people Beale painted. Her clientele mostly consisted of lawyers, doctors and clergymen, but also extended to literary figures and other artists. Possibly Afroben, possibly. But for me, the most intriguing subject is someone she may have never painted at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt Stewart. <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> she may yeah. have never painted It's actually him. easier to list the people she may <laughs> not have painted. She, I mean, she did 19 a year. So what do, what do you mean by that? It's so intriguing. Well, let me tell you about Robert Hooke. Okay. Robert Hooke was born two years after Mary Beale in 1635 and would go on to be one of the most influential scientists of the century, if not all time. He was a polymath who contributed to an incredible number of scientific fields, including physics, biology, astronomy, geometry, and even paleontology. He discovered and coined the term cell, like a biological cell, when studying microscopic cavities in a piece of cork. He's sometimes referred to as England's Leonardo da Vinci. Ah, okay. Thank you for putting it in terms we could understand. He's a pretty important he's guy. Pretty guy. <laughs> he's a pretty guy. He's a pretty guy. He's a pretty guy. <laughs> he's a pretty guy. He's a pretty guy. Well, is he a pretty guy? Oh. We'll talk about that. Because he was a founding member, fellow, curator, and secretary of the Royal Society of London, and yet no confirmed portrait of him exists. Something many find odd for such a prominent person. Mm. After Hooke's death in 1703, his great rival, Isaac Newton, was elected as president of the Royal Society. Now, Hooke and Newton hated each other. They had this huge rivalry, claimed credit for each other's work, things like that. They hated each other. And for many years, a rumour has hung around that Newton destroyed the Society's portrait of Hooke as an act of revenge, oh. sort of erasing his image from history. Amazing. Now, who's Newton in terms of the Ninja Turtles? Oh, wow. He is England's Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. You okay. can understand. So, yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> you up to speed? Yeah. He's cool but rude. Gotcha. Uh, since Hook's death, many possible portraits of him have been pointed to. People have said, this is Hook. Oh. No, this is Hook. Two of which were painted by our Mary Beale. Our Mary Beale. We do know that Hook was interested in art and visited various painters, including Beale, so he may have sat for her. In 2003, historian Lisa Jardine proposed that this portrait by Mary Beale was in fact Robert Hook. It matched the few surviving descriptions of his face. <laughs> Normal looking old guy. <laughs> One of which includes pointy nose. Grey eyes. Grey oh, eyes. Brutal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want that. Yeah. Average looking man, is that one of the descriptions of him? <laughs> Just a, an old guy. Old average guy. Average man. I think I found oh, him. <laughs> Hundreds of years later. <gasps> Six million matches. <laughs> However, this was later proven instead to be chemist Jan Baptiste Van Helmont. Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry, Lisa, you got it wrong. She was way off. Those names aren't close at all. <laughs> but more recently, it's been proposed that this painting by Mary Beale, known as Portrait of a Mathematician, could in fact be Robert Hooke. Could in could, could be. be. Could be. Okay. They look, I mean, yeah, they kind of look the same. He's just, just wearing, Another average wearing a bigger, bigger hairdo. Yeah. Bigger And puffier robes. sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Is that any, any descriptions? Would, yeah. He constantly loved a, puffy. Loved a puffy sleeve. His nickname was Puff Daddy. <laughs> really? Really? Yes. Wow. wow. He's England's P. Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> There's no record of him ever sitting for her, 
even though Charles took records. Yes. Well, that's but not going to be him then. Yeah, I'm He's trusting Charles. I'm trusting Charles. Charles. He kept record records. of a lot of stuff. Yeah. But we do know that they knew each other, so it's possible that this is the answer to one of science and history's greatest questions. What did Hook look like? Yeah, that's the big one that science is asking still yeah. today. That's right. They're like, sure, we could be working on curing cancer. But what did Hook look, look like? like? Solve that, Newton. Yeah. Can't. He's, he's long dead. He's long dead and possibly the one that mean, means we can't solve it. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he destroyed it. That's very petty. Very petty. And but pretty like funny as well that there would be like one portrait and that's it. Yeah. Whereas because now, the, if you had to try and delete every picture of me. Oh, man. Oh, boy. That's a big skip fire. Yeah. And you're going to hate it. <laughs> All the way through. What is she doing? <laughs> oh, God, so many selfies. <laughs> There's no absolute likeness of Robert Hooke, so we don't know that it's definitely Robert Hooke, but it is of a scientist. Now, where that gets a bit tricksy is that because Mary Bill's husband's a colourman and he is literally... He's, he's working like a chemist and an alchemist. And when they moved to London in, in the 1870s, he got in the circle of the Royal Society where he was meeting up with scientists and mathematicians, architects, philosophers. And so a lot of the clientele of Mary Beale were drawn from members of the, of the Royal Society. So while Robert Hooke's definite possibility, there could be a number of others. There was an idea that it's a guy called Isaac Barrow who definitely sat for Mary Beale. Everybody wants to attach a name to a face. Sure, it could be Hook, but I kind of stand by the motto of the Royal Society, which is nullius sum verba, which means um, take nothing for granted or don't believe anyone. So you've got to prove it yourself. Mary Beale herself crossed multiple disciplines as well as being one of, if not the first female artist to support her family in England. Mary Beale's 1661 manuscript called Observations is also the earliest known instructional text in English written by a female painter. Wow. And she passed on her knowledge to others teaching students, including other female painters, Kitty Triosh and Sarah Curtis. Sadly for Beale, demand for her style of portrait shrank after the death of her friend Peter Lely in 1680, with whom she shared a very similar style. Mm. They just moved on. By the end of the decade, demand for this style had fallen out of favour completely, and Mary Beale died in 1699, being buried in St James Church in Piccadilly. She was 65 years old. Piccadilly, still on the Monopoly board. Now we're yellow, that's yellow. That's yellow. Never made it to Strand. <laughs> that's beyond Strand, mate. Fuck. Get some knowledge of the board. It's red, then yellow. We all know this. <laughs> Why does he know this? That <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it does. No friends. <laughs> Played Monopoly alone a lot. That's very hard to do. <laughs> Takes ages. Always won. I win again. Ooh. <laughs> Mary Beale has been rediscovered, re-evaluated and re-appreciated in recent years. Her work can now be seen in many famous galleries, including the Tate and the National Portrait Gallery in London. And of course, right here at the NGV, where you can see this painting, as well as Portrait of the Artist's Son, Bartholomew Beale. Her son? Barty Beale. Barty Beale. Though it could also be a small Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> it is confirmed. <laughs> okay. Well. It is an absolutely fantastic portrait. Now, we're in, a, in an area of the gallery full of you know, paintings by the great, some of the great portrait painters like Van Dyck and Rubens and Peter Lely himself. And yet her work absolutely stands up to those, to those artists. It, it is an insightful work. It's really interesting. I think what's, what I find fascinating about it is how she's completely pared it back. There's no lavish costume, there's no jewellery. You're dealing with a woman painting, a woman who is clearly has a, has a strong character, has 
has a, you know, she's quite flirtatious. There's a sense of independence to her, but Mary Beale doesn't clutter her work, so she's not filling it with iconography. She's not filling it with symbols. It's what you see is what you get, and I think that's what's kind of interesting about Mary Beale and about our painting. And as I said, it, it stands up to these great portrait painters. It absolutely leaps off the wall. Fantastic picture. That's pretty cool. So that's why I still, I mean, <laughs> it's wild that that painting was done by this person and we can just touch it. Can we touch it? <laughs> I don't know. We, we just, cannot, we touch, it. We can just, touch it. We can touch it no, right no, now. No, 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 Do no, not no, touch no. it. We can lick it, we can no, touch no, it. No, it's no, right no, there. I knew you were going to try and lick it. You can just have a look, okay, but hands in your pockets. I'll look, I'll wipe some of the grease off my hands, okay? <laughs> Let's compromise. Put, and then put them in your pockets, okay? I'm not budget on that one. You're no fun. No, I'm not. I just want to lick a painting. I won't allow it. Sorry about this is what This is why the youth don't get into art anymore. <laughs> you know how to lick it. Flavoured art. When I was a boy, scratch and sniff was all the rage. Yes. Where's that going? You know in Willy Wonka where they got the wall? That yeah, snow stories. Yeah. Smell like snow stories. Should we do that with some more art? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Finally. Do any of these stink? <laughs> we got a couple of stinkers. We got yeah. a stinker over here. Now, now I'm interested in art. <laughs> I'm back on me. I'm listening again. Are you finished? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I assume that we would just fade out. <laughs> so bring you back. <laughs> you two leave. I'm still talking to myself. We can't leave or you'll touch it. <laughs> we can't leave you unattended. Dugon Presents Artifacts has been made with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and is available nationwide on the Community Radio Network. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.